Maine, a place where you can find breathtaking scenery from sandy beaches, ice cap mountains, and pristine lakes. A place you can enjoy a delicious lobster while sipping on one of Maine's finest craft brews and saving room for a blueberry pie. But the one thing many people may not know about Maine is the artistry and craftsmanship that comes with the culture of this beautiful state. From the Industrial Revolution to now, Maine has continued to build its economy through makers, and there are hundreds of them. Maine has makers that can handcraft a high-quality piece of wood furniture where the joinery fits like a glove. So a skirt made with plant-based fabric with a New England-made machine that was invented in 1881. Make a mean mustard through a cold grind process made in the same mill since 1900, and much more. Join me for a journey through the lives of makers from across Maine to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Christian Vermeulen, and this is Makers of Maine. Welcome back to the Great North Sound Society podcast series. Now on to another fabulous musician who got to record in the lovely studio out in Parsonsville, Maine. And all of the band members are from Maine. And this band is called Luba Wiles. I got to have a chat with Issa Burke, who currently lives in Portland. And I unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to Eleanor Buckland and uh, Molly Obamaswin. But I hope one day that I will get to meet them and see them perform live. They actually all met at a fiddle camp in Maine. Their music stems from their community and the tradition it holds. They create music that questions cultural virtues, brings complex experiences to light, and points to a better world. They recently launched an album that was recorded in the Great North Sound Society studio, and Issa Burke shares with me her experience on recording in this charm of a place. Now, let's talk craft. Craft of music with Issa Burke with Lula Wiles. All right, guys, thank you so much for being on the Makers of Maine podcast today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to Issa from Lula Wiles. Uh, thank you so much, Issa, for being on the Makers of Maine podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, actually, uh, I had no idea um, who you guys were until uh, Sam had introduced me. So I'm really excited that he told me about you guys because I am so yeah. in love with your music. And Oh, thank the, you. Of course. Uh, so the first question I typically start off with is really, what is your craft and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, that is a great question. So my craft is music. Um and I've been playing music my whole life, um, as have my bandmates. Uh, we all, all of us come from musical families. Both of my parents are professional musicians and music teachers. Um, and I grew up in South Berwick, Maine, um, very the very bottom tip of Maine. Nice. Uh, and yeah, my parents' names are Susie Burke and David Surrett, and they play a lot of different kinds of folk and traditional music. Um, and so I just like grew up kind of immersed in the like folk and roots music community in, um, the, in the seacoast area. So it was kind of a no brainer <laughs> for me. Um, and I feel really lucky to, um, to just have grown up with so much music that was so readily available to me. Um, for a long time, I wasn't totally sure if I wanted to be a professional musician, but I always knew that music was going to be a really big part of my life. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where it started. Now, what was the first instrument or maybe it's not an instrument, maybe it's your voice. Um, but what really, what was the first thing that kind of got you into music? Uh, since your parents kind of like inspired you kind of getting into that, just knowing their background. Yeah, I I would say I definitely started out singing before anything else. Um, when I was, I, I like dabbled in a few instruments before anything really stuck. Like I was always the, I was the kind of kid who would just like mess around with whatever was nearby. Like I was always kind of just like drumming on surfaces or like my parents would have like guitars and ukuleles around the house. We had a piano. I would sort of plunk away on that thought about learning the flute for a second in school that didn't pan out I played <laughs> trumpet for a couple of years then I played guitar um but when I was I started playing guitar when I was around 10 um and then when I was 13 I started playing fiddle and that was the first instrument that I like really lost my mind over wow. um and I was really really serious about fiddle for a long time and these days it's pretty 50-50 with fiddle and guitar, maybe even slightly more guitar than fiddle right now. But um, 
yeah so i would say those like fiddling guitar are my my primary instruments now but i've dabbled in a lot of different things over the course of my life wow that's amazing and yeah so tell me a little bit about sort of the layout of your band uh so i know you have uh two other members and um and then yourself as well so yeah tell me a little bit more about that yeah so uh my bandmates names are eleanor buckland and molly obamsawin and um I met, they grew up in the same town. They both grew up in Farmington, Maine. Um, And uh, Molly is uh, a citizen of the Abenaki or Abenaki First Nation. Um, She's she's indigenous. And so uh, it's important to us all that we, you know, acknowledge that we grew up on Wabanaki land. Um, And so, yeah, the two of them grew up together. um, And I met both of them at... Main fiddle camp. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and uh, that's where we first connected and started playing music together. Um, and then we formed the band a few years later when we were all in college, living in Boston. Um, and so I play guitar and fiddle. Um, I play a lot of electric guitar these days. We started out as like a pretty acoustic band, but we've kind of been getting more and more electric as we've gone on. Nice. Um, so I'm playing a lot of electric guitar on our new record. Um, and Ellie plays guitar and fiddle as well. She plays um, more acoustic guitar. She doesn't really play electric guitar. Um, and Molly plays bass, um, but she's also she's she's the bass player of the band. But she's also a great guitar player, um, so she will occasionally switch to guitar too. So we're all kind of multi instrumentalists, and we all sing, we all write songs. Um, so it's it's a really this band has always been like a really like fun collaborative space. It's kind of uh, there's never really any like default assumptions about who's going to play what, you know, obviously if someone's playing bass, it's going to be Molly. If someone's playing electric guitar, it's going to be me. But sometimes we've, we'll sort of switched up. Molly has played electric guitar actually on a couple things. So yeah, we, we tend to kind of switch things up, um, according to like what each song needs. And when we have three songwriters too, it's, there's a lot of like switching of wearing different hats. Um, which I think that was kind of just what came naturally to us. And then later on we were like, oh yeah, not every band does this. Right. (laughs) It's a lot easier. It's just like, (laughs) I'm the guitar player. That person is the bass player. Um, But I love hearing that though. You guys wear many hats and you're absolutely right. When I think of a band, it's like, what are your designated roles? But, you know, as I learned and, you know, in talking to Sam and, you know, talking to Dietrich and I'll soon to be talking to uh, Bridget from Lake Street Dive, it's like, cool. it seems like every member just ha- does wear many hats and they have different passions when it comes to music. And like, they sort of help um, one another out in terms of like, if that musician has like a solo thing going on, or if there's other, you know, musicians in that, um, in their community, like helping out with an album. And it just seems yeah. like there's so many ways of contributing to music and the craft and the art behind it. So I'm really mm-hmm. happy to hear that. And so have you like launched, um, you know, other albums? Cause I know you, you just, um, you're working on, or have you launched a new album yet? the uh the new little wilds album it has not come out yet okay um we just released the first single from the album so there's one song from the album that is currently publicly available that song is called television and depending on when this comes out um there may be more yes Uh, but the album will be out on may 21st that's where we're at with that we recorded it in june 2020 um, and there's a lot of like post recording work that you have to do I'm in sure. terms of like mixing and editing and mastering and then getting the album artwork all together right. and doing the whole because we we have a record label. Um, and so we have to fit the release into their schedule. And then there's all the publicity. It's just like a lot that wow. has to get done I'm in order sure. to get an album out. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wish like I think sometimes about how it would be nice to just like record something in my bedroom, not like involve anyone else in it and just put it up on Bandcamp and not do any of the fanfare but <laughs> there are things you have to do in order to get people to pay attention right. to your album, so. I'm sure it's I'm a, sure it's a balance yeah so yeah. and is this your first album as a band it's our third oh it's your third album oh that's great yeah. so tell me about the previous two albums that you did and like when you launched them 
Yeah. So our first album came out in 2016, and that was called Lula Wiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we recorded we recorded our first two albums at um, a studio in Boston called Dimension Sound, um, which is owned and run by this amazing producer and engineer named Dan Cardinal. Um, we love working with him. Uh, and then... For reasons not related to Dan at all, we just thought it might be nice to try something different. Um, We recorded two songs that we kind of put out on their own, not part of an album. Um, In fall 2019, we recorded those up at Great North with Sam, um, which was really fun. And so then that was kind of, we were like, okay, we'll do these with Sam. And then if we like it, then maybe we'll make our next full length album there. Yeah. so we did that and then, or I, I kind of skipped our second album. So our second album was called What Will We Do? That came out in beginning of 2019. And that was also our first release on a record label. So even though it was our second album, in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like our first album because it was the first album that a lot of people heard. Right. <laughs> um, we got like a lot more attention with that one. Um So I think that album was kind of a lot of people's introduction to our band. Mm -hmm. And so then we put out two songs later that year, and then we have the third full-length album coming out soon. Wow, that's exciting. So yeah, and congratulations on that. Wow, three albums. That's a lot. And would you say that um, sort of the genre of music, um, so I know you're very like into like folk, you know, that type of, um, you know, musical experience, but would you say that every album kind of, like kind of goes along with that folk or is it a little different along that at the journey of those three albums yeah so one thing that I've kind of been thinking about lately in terms of the the genre the genre progression of our recorded work over time I think that over time we have gotten better at integrating different styles together because mm-hmm. we've always like we all come from kind of a folk background but we've all liked to listen to a lot of different styles of music and so I think we we've all kind of felt a little bit hesitant like we don't really want to box ourselves in genre wise and I think that a lot of I think that the overall trend of music over the last like several decades has been that like a lot of these genre barriers are breaking down Mm -hmm. it's less about like what box do we put this in at the record store and a lot more of just like I think it might be cool to put an electric guitar and a banjo on this song because that's what I think would sound good and I'm not going (laughs) to worry about what to call it. Yeah. So we've always kind of tried to bring in a lot of different influences in our music from like traditional folk sounds to more modern folk sounds to pop and indie rock. And um, I think we've definitely been like getting more and more rock as we go. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, but I think like there are some songs on our first record that are like really traditional folky sounding Mm -hmm. and other songs on that record that are really poppy sounding. Yeah. And I think on this new record, every song kind of has its own sort of combo of influences and it's less like there's some folk songs and there's some pop songs. It's like a bunch of songs that have influences from a bunch of different places all kind of thrown in together. And I think the, the overall sound feels a lot more dynamic in that way Mm -hmm. so I think that that has been a really cool thing to to figure out over time that like you can you can make you can make a song that has some influences from like traditional ballads and then also put a weird keyboard sound on it (laughs) right just play around with it that's the fun of it it sounds like definitely would you say um like who are your sort of mentors you know in the music industry who do you look up to because it sounds like you have a lot of inspiration in terms of each of your albums and I would love to hear more about that yeah when I think about who I'm inspired by a lot of it is just like there are people I've people I know or people I've worked with that I'm really inspired by and then also people just whose music I've been listening to for a long time Mm -hmm. early on it was a lot of a lot of what really inspired me to get really serious about music was the community at Maine Fiddle Camp. Um, Maine Fiddle Camp was kind of the first place that I saw young people kind of making folk music their own. Mm. Um, I sort of grew up with this idea that like 
folk and traditional music was for old people because <laughs> like I saw my parents playing it I saw their their community that were mostly people around their age playing it and then until I went to Maine Fiddle Camp I didn't really know any people like my age or like I first went there when I was 11 I think oh wow and at that point I started seeing people in their teens and 20s who were playing folk music and I was like oh wait it's cool yeah <laughs> um And then I ended up going to college in Boston and getting to know people like Laura Cortese. I don't know if you know her, but she's worked with Sam a bunch. Um, And yeah, she is someone who also like, you know, grew up playing traditional fiddle music and then also writes like really amazing pop songs and combines those two things in a really interesting way. So she was like a big early inspiration and she was really supportive of me and my bandmates too. Like when we first got to Boston, just like inviting us to come sing background vocals with her at a show or like inviting us to come see a band that she thought we should see. Cool. And just like the whole Boston music community in general, I think was just really like, it's a really great place to become an adult musician oh yeah like there's just so so many people who are like oh you should go to this show oh i am playing this thing do you want to open for me um here meet this person you would probably like each other's songs um and so it was just like a really like really nurturing environment i think and it's really multi-generational too which i think is really special it's not just people your own age it's people who've been at it for many many decades um and in terms of like people whose music I really love. Um, Joni Mitchell is always one that I come back to. I think her, you know, her songs are the best songs that exist. And like a lot of, a lot of the artists that I find most inspiring, um, people like Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Paul Simon are people who didn't let themselves be boxed in genre wise. Like when Joni started getting into rock and jazz, there were people who were like, no, I just want you to go back to strumming your dulcimer. And Joni was like, well, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make all these weird like jazz albums and you are going to like them. (laughs) Um, And that's something I find really inspiring. That's great. Um, I love that you don't want to get boxed in because I feel like there's so much creativity out there in terms of like playing around with things. I mean, that's the fun of it. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, I see, uh, I love, I'm a huge ZZ Ward fan and um, I know she kind of like tapped into the whole pop thing and she's really into like sort of the jazz like type of style too and it's a little bit like more moodier so like I support her in so many ways of like tapping into something that's very different but man did she get a lot of backlash from people too so it's like yeah to see like musicians um really play around with that and I respect any musician who does it because it it must be a lot like it's kind of going out of your comfort zone a little bit but Mm -hmm. being creative at the same time so I'm really happy to hear that you're going through that experience as well in terms of like your bandmates and like tapping into different things Yeah. yeah I find that's really cool so in terms of, you know, getting a record label, like that must have been mm-hmm. huge when you yeah. locked that in. And, you know, I haven't really talked to a musician like about that experience of like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like going through that journey and like celebrating in the end and being like, wow, we finally yeah. got something. Like, tell me a little bit more <laughs> yeah. about that. I'm sure you and your bandmates were like super excited for that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, so the way that happened was, so we, there's a couple different ways that people sometimes go about getting connected with record labels. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will sign, like a record label will sign you based on what you've done in the past, and then you'll sign a deal for an album that you will make in the future. Mm -hmm. Other times, and this is the way we did it, you make the album and then you shop the album around to different labels, say like, hey, we made this album. Do you want to put it out? Right. Um, there are advantages and disadvantages to each approach. But so we'd made What Will We Do? And we thought we'd been playing a lot of shows. We'd been traveling around, kind of building more of an audience. And we felt like it could be within our reach to get connected with a record label for this release. And we thought it might be really good to have some resources, some publicity. Um, And so we started reaching out to different labels. And one of our big goals uh, was to connect with record label people at an event called Folk Alliance, which is a big folk music industry conference Mm -hmm. where bands and label people booking agents 
festival promoters, um, people who run music venues, all connect in a big hotel room or like a big hotel with lots of conference rooms and people play showcases until like three in the morning. It's a crazy whole thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's bonkers. So (laughs) we went to Folk Alliance. We've gone a bunch of times, but this year we were like, okay, it's really important that we go this year because we want to find someone to put this album out. We connected with a guy named John Smith who runs Smithsonian Folkways. Oh, wow. um, Which is the, yes, the nonprofit record label of the Smithsonian Institute. Wow. And they they have have that. Yeah, it's a really cool label. It's been around for a long time. And for, like, for the first bunch of years of Folkways life, they put out a lot of, like, old archival recordings of, like, traditional folk music styles from all around the world um and they didn't put out a ton of like newer less traditional music by living artists Mm. but they were kind of wanting to pivot towards um you know becoming more hip for the 21st century um and they put out some really cool like they put i don't know if you've heard of um songs of our native daughters oh yeah um yeah they put out that record they put out kaya cater anna and elizabeth a lot of really amazing women and in particular women of color on folkways which is awesome um so we got connected with john he proposed that we put this album out on folkways and we were like are you kidding is that a joke are you making a funny joke (laughs) um but yeah it was really really exciting and it's it's been really great working with them. They're like they're so supportive. I um I've heard some horror stories about record labels just over my time of working in the music industry. Hey. Like there are a lot of it can be really it can be a really exploitative relationship where the label's like, "Okay, I'm going to like trap you in this contract or like, "Okay, we own your work now." Hey. Um and Folkways has been really like their intent has always been to support us and support what we are already doing and what we want to do and so we have felt like it's just been nothing but an asset to have them on our team so that's awesome yeah, it's been it's been a great experience I'm glad to hear that and yeah so with this new album that you had put together you know back in June and going to Sam's studio and everything tell me a little bit about that process you know I always like to do a little bit of a deep dive as to like going into a new album, like sort of the inspiration and like you have everything sort of like written down, if you will, or kind of processed of what you're going to go and producing. But then when you're in that production phase, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, like let's put it all together. It must be so, um, such an, an emotional, you know, type of situation where you're at a recording studio and you're like Big time. getting into it. So tell me a little bit more about that experience of being at Sam's studio and going through like just all of those activities to make something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was an amazing experience. I think one of the things that I like the most about working with Sam is he is just so he's down for whatever. (laughs) He's not super married to any idea of like what, what an album should sound like, what a song should sound like. Um, He's really down to like get creative and get weird. Um, (laughs) The first time we worked with him, he was like, okay, like Molly usually plays bass and Sean usually plays drums. I didn't even mention Sean yet, but um, we often play with a drummer. There's three of us that are officially in the band, but we often collaborate with drummers and there are two that we work with. Um, And yeah, so Sean Trishka is his name. He's our, our primary drummer. But anyway, Sam was like, Molly usually plays bass. Sean usually plays drums. What if they both played guitar on this song? (laughs) Um, Or like, what if, okay, so what if uh, Molly and Sean played guitar and what if Ellie played organ? (laughs) Um, So yeah, like he's down to get really weird and experimental with things, um, which I just love. And I also love the space at Great North Sound. Like I love... Like, when I'm making an album, I want it to be a really immersive experience where I am just, like, fully on the planet of this album for whatever period of time. Um, Sometimes people make albums by sort of just, like, slowly chipping away at it over time. You record a thing here, a thing there. That can be great, but my preferred method is definitely, like, I just go into the woods (laughs) for three weeks... I don't think about anything other than this album. Um, I am just like fully immersed in this world. Right. Um, and then I emerge a changed woman. <laughs> um, 
And that's so much what that space is like because it's a house. You are staying there. So you're just there like round the clock. It's not like you, you know, you get up and you go to the studio and then you go home. Right. Um, you're just like totally immersed. Right. Um, and I think that's that's a really special way to make a record. I think that yeah. is um, that is a big part of what makes Great North so awesome. Yeah, um, I could see that. Yeah. And with this yeah. new album, what's sort of like the inspiration behind sort of the songs that are going into this? And uh, I would yeah. love to learn more about that. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, there's a lot that was going on. Um, some of the songs we wrote like right before recording. One of the songs we actually wrote during the recording sessions because we felt like we needed. Oh, wow. Um, there were, we were like, oh, we needed Ellie to sing another song. We need another song that's in this sort of vibe. And that ended up being the first single. Wow. <laughs> so we like wrote and recorded it in the span of like two days. Wow. And then that ended up being the lead single of the album. So anyway, um, some of the songs we had been playing live for a while before we went in. So there's kind of a span of like brand new songs that we were sort of learning as we recorded them. And then songs that we were like, we played this one a million times. We know how to play it. Um, but we kind of reworked a lot of the arrangements with Sam. Right. So because the songs were written over a longer span of time, we kind of didn't totally realize like what the like cohesive themes on the album were until after we'd recorded and kind of like taken a sort of look back at the whole, the whole picture. Um, but a lot of the songs are sort of about like revelation and waking up, whether that's like realizing that you've been in an unhealthy romantic relationship or an unhealthy friendship, trying to extricate yourself from that situation. A lot of the songs are about kind of political awakenings, whether that's um, yourself having a political awakening or Molly has a lot of songs on the record. And, you know, I don't really want to speak for her. She can, you can look up some interviews with her to hear her talk more eloquently about this, but about her experience as an indigenous person feeling like, erased and forgotten and like people around her honestly including her white bandmates are just like don't fully understand what she's going through and wanting wanting people to be more active in their support of justice um and so yeah we've we've always been um kind of increasingly so over the course of our band's life kind of an increasingly like political band and i think over time we've gotten better and better similarly to what i was saying earlier actually we've gotten better and better at writing about those things in a way that feels honest and real and isn't just like preachy (laughs) like i find it really hard to write political songs that aren't like dumb and preachy but i think for us it really is just about focusing on like our own feelings and experiences and i think you know, if you, my parents used to have a bumper sticker uh, that said, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And that is really how I feel a lot of the time yeah. that it's like, you know, if you're paying attention, you should be feeling things. And the more honest you can be about that, I think the better your songs will be. Yeah. So, oh, that's great. That's a lot of, I love the bumper Yeah, that's sticker. a lot of what we were, <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. I, I want to find one. I know. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of like a lot of what we have been thinking about is over the last the last two records really is that I don't really see I see all protest songs as the same kind of thing, whether you're like protesting racial injustice or you're ex-boyfriend who mistreated you (laughs) it's all kind of the same it it's all related i think um we you know we write songs about the things that are hard to deal with in our emotional lives right um yeah so that that's that (laughs) (laughs) do you think you know i know you said you recorded this album in june and i know that was sort of like in the midst of the pandemic so like would you yep. say that some of that inspiration kind of stemmed off that? And I'm sure and it's funny. I talked to Dietrich about this too, and I don't know if you can relate to this yeah. and your band members can relate to this too, but 
typically when you're coming out with a new album, like you're kind of testing out the songs like live and you know, not shows yeah. and stuff. And I'm sure you weren't able to do that. So like, I would love to kind of hear about that too. It's just like being in the midst of the pandemic yeah. and throwing out new music and coming up with inspiration. Was it sort of like a relief oh or was it challenging? It was both. It was very much both. Um, yeah, it it was a very weird experience to be recording an album and feeling like, well, I have no idea when anyone is going to hear any of these songs. Right. <laughs> like, could be like a year from now, could be more than a year from now. Like, who can really say? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was definitely a weird experience. And I think that the... The process of making the album, I think, was even more emotionally charged, I think, because of everything else that was going on. This, you know, this whole time has just been so rough on pretty much everyone mental health wise. Um, And I think we were all like, this album was, I think, really cathartic for us. Um, Even though, like, there, I think... Any band who says that they didn't have any interpersonal problems while making an album is either lying or they have access to some kind of magic that I do not have access to. <laughs> so, like, there definitely were times when it was really tough internally while we were making this album. But I think for all of us, it felt really, really cathartic to be able to just, like, express some of the pain and confusion and like tension and strangeness that we'd all been dealing with for the last however many months i mean june feels like an age ago now it's like (laughs) that was like baby pandemic i didn't even know (laughs) i feel just like so like june isa had no idea what she was right oh i know it's so (laughs) but yeah it's it's bonkers but yeah it was i think it was really really cathartic in a lot of ways to be able to express a lot of that and just like get out all of our weird pandemic feelings even though our songs weren't necessarily about that i think a lot of those feelings came out in how we how we've recorded yeah i'm sure because i think being in sam's space and you know i'm not a musician but i sort of Mm -hmm. like after talking to you and talking to Dietrich and, you know, I've grew up with music my whole life. It's like understanding sort of the craft behind it, like to have a space where you can just unplug and just do a deep dive into your brain of like getting that just raw feeling out there and just like really being as sociable in terms of like the recording session and what you're like, audience is going to feel like when they listen to it like it is a craft Mm -hmm. and I I don't think many people know of it and I think it's great that we're talking about this because people like are learning now it's like painting that picture of what the music industry is about and you know having a Mm -hmm. a creative space like that in Maine is just mind-boggling to me so I'm just really happy that you got to experience it for yourself (laughs) yeah it is it's such a special place the first time that I was at Great North was I think this was the first time. It was the end of 2018. Uh I'm pretty sure. Um, And our drummer, Sean, I was there actually with his band, which I I play in his band sometimes. Oh, nice. um, Which is called Corporate Punk. Okay. I'll check it out. And we were making... Yeah, yeah. It's it's an awesome, awesome band. Um, And so we were making some videos and like recording... It was like, it was a a project. It hasn't even come out yet, even though it was recorded a long time ago. Sean's been kind of tinkering with it over time. But anyway, that was the first time I was there. It was like, I was only there for a few days, but it was me and Sean and my bandmate Ellie was there too. She was doing some filming. Dietrich was there. Sam was there and a bass player named Kat. Um, And I just was like, this place is magic. Like, I want to do every musical project here. Like, it is just like, it's so my vibe. Yes. (laughs) And there is something really special about just like, you know, you go up into the weird attic to record something. And then you're like, you're recording in all different rooms of the house. And then at the end of the day, like somebody makes dinner for the whole team. And then you like hang out in the living room. You light the the fake wood stove and... (laughs) It's like you go, if it's warm, you can go hang on the porch. It's just like, it's a really special 
space. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel really lucky to have been connected with it. And, and with Sam, I mean, he's an absolute dream to work with. I just think he's so awesome. That's great. So in regards to just, you know, um, kind of moving forward and like, what you're thinking in terms of what the music industry is going to look like. Like, do you, are you guys going to play any live shows this year? Or are you kind of just like tinkering with the idea and just waiting and to see what happens? So we're planning on doing some shows this summer. Um, We do want to, you know, we want to give this album a proper release. I think we're planning on like mostly outdoor stuff, um, which will be, a fun i love playing outside in the summer and also just like safe depending on what the pandemic vaccination deal is looking like at that point there's you know so much is up in the air Mm -hmm. um nothing that could be called a tour (laughs) um a big part of what was going on for our band even before the pandemic was we had toured like crazy for all of all of 2018 and 2019, we were just like going, 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 going a million miles an hour. Wow. And we got so burnt out. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, and we were really feeling, it was really funny. Like the pandemic hit when we were in the middle of a four month break from tour. Oh, wow. So we were like, oh, well, we're going to take a few months off. Then we're going to get back at it. And at first we were like kind of relieved. Right. <laughs> when all the gigs were canceled we were like oh god okay we are not ready to go back out there (laughs) but of course things have gone on a little longer than anyone would have hoped yeah we're basically we're gonna take it easy i think um and because this band has been like the primary force of our careers Mm -hmm. so far um i think after this album comes out we're gonna maybe focus on other projects for a, a little while and then maybe circle back on Lula Wiles after a bit. But we're definitely not feeling for reasons, both pandemic related and just like burnout related. Yeah. I think we're not feeling like we want to go a million miles an hour on the road again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the pandemic has revealed the, cracks or like gaping voids in so many industries um i think like the music industry was already unsustainable before covid and i think the fact that all the gigs were canceled i think a lot of musicians have just been like all right enough is enough we can't go on like this (laughs) um and so actually one thing that i have been putting a lot of time into lately is i've been getting involved with a group called the union of musicians and allied workers Mm. Um, or Yuma. Uh, and it's a new group. If you might have seen the Justice at Spotify campaign oh, yes. that's been going uh-huh, around, yeah. that's that group. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I've been involved with them for the last few months. They started about a year ago, like early pandemic. Um, but I've only just been getting involved with them the last few months. Um, but it's really cool. It's like a national, international actually group of musicians who are invested in working in all different areas of the music industry to just make it fairer and more sustainable and more equitable for artists yeah Yeah, it's it's been really awesome to work with them it's it just feels really empowering and um you know like with with touring kind of being the only viable source of income now that everyone listens to music on spotify and album sales aren't really happening anymore it uh it's worrying it's really really hard to make a living as a musician even when you can tour and now that we can't tour everyone's just like okay well what are we gonna do (laughs) um but i am feeling a lot of like energy and momentum around organizing within the music industry and i think um you know it it definitely feels feels really good to be part of that i'm sure because it's relatable yeah something that you can bring a lot of insight into because you're in that world Mm -hmm. and it's like helping others in the community of like, how can the music industry be sustainable? So I'm really excited to hear about that. And it's not, you know, it's nice that you all are paying attention to sort of like your, you know, work-life balance in terms of like being on the road and then also, (laughs) you know, wanting to be staying close to home and like focusing on other things. So it's good that you guys are paying Mm -hmm. attention to that because I know there can be a lot of musicians that burn out and it's good that you guys are looking at other things. (laughs) 
Yeah, I and I feel like over the last year, I've talked to so many of my musician friends, and like one of the recurring themes for so many of us is like, oh my god, I didn't realize how burnt out I was until right. all the gigs were taken away from me. Like the like, we just get so addicted to the hustle. Oh, I know. That's um, so true. And I I have some friends who are like, oh my god, I'm so happy I don't have to tour anymore. And I have other friends who are like, oh my god, I miss tour so much, I want to cry. <laughs> I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I don't ever want to tour quite as crazily as Lula Wiles was, right. but I also do really miss some elements of it. I'm so sure. I think it's. It is about, it is so much about that, that balance. And when you really need the money, (laughs) it's really hard to be able to create that work-life balance when it's like, okay, well, my healthy work-life balance means I can't pay my rent. So what, how do we, how do we fix that? Um, And I think there is a lot of energy um, or at least like desire among musicians to figure out new solutions to those problems as you know I feel like everyone should be aware of this and you're absolutely right yeah you know in the midst of the pandemic people are just being um more um just more educational in terms of like these types of industries are getting hurt by the challenges that we're facing with right now so you know I'm really happy they passed the bill for the entertainment industry I'm happy that they're trying to keep the concert venues alive trying to keep you know dollars Mm -hmm. afloat as to supporting the music industry but there needs to be a lot more you know and support in terms of the future so I can't wait or look forward I guess to um what that looks like and you know, how can people totally. support, like, you know, being a part of this organization? Like, what can you tell the audience and how we can support musicians such as yourself? Totally. I mean, I think I I would also say I don't want to come across like I'm like, I don't think musicians are by any means like the people who are most affected by the pandemic, because um, I feel like it's I don't know. I feel like one thing that kind of uh was worrying to me at the beginning of the pandemic with I was seeing so much support for musicians which is great but I also was like okay well are the people who are working at your grocery store getting paid a fair wage like how much are we trying to help people who don't like make things that we like (laughs) like you know and I think it's you know I really try to see like I'm organizing within the music industry because that's what I have expertise in and that's what my um you know, that's where my influence is. But I want to see it as like part of a bigger struggle for just like making sure everyone has what they need to have like a healthy work-life balance and, you know, to pay their rent without getting burnt out. And so I like, yeah, like I want it to be, you know, uh, it's like the, the issue of like workers' rights is to me like it's a, it's a monster with many heads (laughs) (laughs) and I'm, I'm over here in my area, in my realm, but trying to make sure that I'm keeping an eye on the whole right. thing. Um, so with that, with that caveat, um, I think that anyone who works within the music industry, I think should totally Google um, Union of Musicians and Allied Workers um, and see if you can get involved. There's a bunch of different subcommittees that all work on different issues within the music industry. So you can kind of plug in wherever um, you have interest or where like whatever part of the music industry you work in. Hmm. If you don't work in the music industry, um, I think the biggest thing is just like buying music and merch directly from musicians or supporting them on Patreon if they have a Patreon, something like that. There's a lot of different like subscription services that are coming out now. Bandcamp has one. There's a new one called Ampled, which is like a collectively owned and operated version of like a patronage type system um so yeah i think just keeping an eye out for ways that like you can support musicians directly um i've been teaching a lot and i've been making um been making things work financially by teaching a lot of lessons so um and i think a lot of people like uh a lot of people have been doing lessons as like gifts I think that can be a cool way to support a musician if you like if you know someone who might be interested in learning music um you know send a musician some money and uh ask them to give your friend a couple guitar lessons Um, I didn't even think about that that's awesome 
I didn't. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely something I will, I will personally look into. I want to get back into piano again. <laughs> oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think there are, there are a lot of ways to, a lot of ways to support musicians. And, um, I think it is, it is important to remember that like, like we've all been conditioned to now that streaming exists, we're all kind of conditioned. And I include myself in this, like conditioned to expect that we just get to listen to music for free. Right. And we don't think about that. Like this took a lot of work and time to create and not even just the musicians. Like you have to pay the producer and engineer right. and the person who mixed and mastered yeah. it. Maybe you have a booking agent, a manager, a record label, all those people need to be paid. Yeah. <laughs> Often those people all need to be paid before the musicians right. get paid. Right. Um, so there is, there's a lot of revenue that needs to happen in order for any of this to work. So um, I think just, just, raising awareness of how this all how this all functions yeah. and how dysfunctional it has become I think is is really important that's, thank you so much for sharing that I feel like that's definitely something yeah. I, I've always wanted to ask and just highlight because um I, I mean I knew about you know the challenges of the music industry even before you know the pandemic but I feel like it's definitely something that needs to be attended to even more so thank you for that I think yeah. that's great and um, yeah. so the last question I'm going to end with, um, cause I know I've taken up so much of your time and I totally appreciate it. Oh, it's great. I'm happy. <laughs> Good. <time>. So, <laughs> so why great North sound society? Like why record there? And I know you touched on this a little bit more, but like, you know, my mm -hmm. podcast is really about makers in our great state of Maine. And I know you're from here. So, you know, I'll ask this mm -hmm. question as well. So it's like, why Maine, you know, why stay here? And, you know, that's yeah. another question I have too. It's like, you know, what mm -hmm. makes Maine true to you and your roots and, you know, and why go to a music studio in Maine too? <laughs> yeah, I think that, so I lived in Boston for a long time and then I lived in New York City for a short time and then I moved back here um, almost exactly a year ago. Oh, wow. Um yeah, well, it was kind of, I thought it was going to be temporary and then I was going to go back to New York, but then I decided to stay. Nice. <laughs> um, and so I think for me, um, I love, especially in Portland, but there are other places in Maine where this is true. Um, I think the, the amount of art and culture and great food that you can access here while also still being like, super close to the ocean and the mountains and the woods. Um, that particular combo of factors I feel like is so rare. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I love about Maine. Um, and I think why Great North, I think so much of it has to do with Sam. Um, I just think he's a genius and he's such a great person to work with um, and a great friend. Uh, and I think that he really, he really works hard to create a really positive and creatively fertile and inspiring space for musicians. Um, and I, I just think that's so valuable. Beyond Sam, I think just the space itself, like the feeling of going to this farmhouse that feels like it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, yeah. just getting to like immerse yourself in this cozy vibe yeah. <laughs> while you while you are creating music. I think it's it's really special. And um, I feel I feel lucky to have found it. And, uh, you know, any I'll I'll take any opportunity to to work at great north whenever i can awesome thank you so much for your time yeah. Lisa. it was great chatting with thank you, you for having me yes. Kristen. thank you thank you for tuning into makers of maine and thank you to Issa burke from lula wiles for being a part of the series if you'd like to hear more of this wonderful music i will link their website and social media handles in the notes section of the podcast and on my website at makersofme.com if you enjoyed this podcast series thus far, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Now for a future musician is Lula Wiles. This is one of their latest singles, In Dreams. Thank you all again and stay safe and healthy. How am I supposed to know What to do with it, what to say What to play up or play down
Haven't been taught to believe 